Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of Change the Subject. I am your host, BJ. Um, follow me on all social media at BJ. Well, not all social media, but Twitter. And um, you can also find the show on Instagram at The Subject Change. Um, thank you guys and girls for returning for today's episode, which is something a little out of the, I guess, the format for what I have to come. This is a kind of a spur of the moment conversation that I decided to have and kind of interrupt the process of material that I was releasing because a lot of the stuff that I'm holding on to is kind of heavy and um this seems to be more on time for the times we're in where we're not only still trying to navigate through relationships and dating but also um boundaries and then you know COVID being on top of what we're also dealing with is kind of like placing some small hindrances on our interaction so we got to make dating worthwhile and i think this conversation is going to add to um the worth that you will carry with you going forward and i got a super super dope guest now this is somebody who i've known for a very short time but she's kind of progressed past a lot of content creators that i listen to and love um this is one of the best um, female content creators that I've come across within the last year. Um, she kind of joins that space of like Dan from A Few Screws Lose, Steph from I Said No, um, just the the people who are transparent about their processes and what they grow, they go through as human beings. And she's very open, honest, and um, also very entertaining. And I think she's going to add those elements to this conversation. Without further ado, we have Kira from the Moms and Martinis returning for a second time on Change the Subject. What's going on with you? You know, same old, same old. Still drinking my water and trying to get a flat stomach, per <laughs> usual. <laughs> That's it, huh? <laughs> that is it. The story of my life. <laughs> Well, it seems, you know, from what we see on um, Instagram that like you're involved in so many um, processes, but the most important or significant one over this last couple, I want to say maybe six or seven months has been like self-care. Mm -hmm. So um, I've noticed that quite a bit in all of the things that you're doing, no matter what you're doing, it's like you kind of include yourself in that process. What is the inspiration for that and kind of give it uh, explanation as to how it ties into what you're doing with your show yeah so with the self-care process that I'm going through it is so important because I found myself in some really low spaces mm -hmm. and 
because I am single and because I tend to be private and am learning to allow others into my intimate space, I was finding that I didn't have anyone outside of myself to really care for me. And a lot of times people think um, maybe like physically, but there was no one to really help me repair mentally or um, spiritually or, you know, just like really dig deep. And those were things that I, I found myself being alone in doing, but then also turning around and blaming people for not respecting me in that place. Um, and I had a conversation with um, a friend of mine, I think last week, and she said something that was so instrumental she said people will take from you things that you did not give them permission to take so that resonated with me on such a deeper level which goes back into the reason why I began putting myself first in all things and I, I think that people have kind of glor you know glorified being selfless which I do believe that those elements should be threaded throughout of your life throughout your life but it's okay for me to be like it, it, the, my number one priority. So I, I try to do that as much as possible and making sure that I'm being very in tune with myself. And that resonates through my podcast because it's all about living life unapologetically. And by me being a mom, I think oftentimes when you become a parent, that so much of who you are is kind of lost in that. And I'm still out here trying to get a boo. <laughs> and most of the time <laughs> right, right. in a relationship, you kind of lost in that. So it's just a, a constant reminder that in order for you to show up and be well in any of those spaces, whether it is in a relationship, being a parent, being a friend, a, a good family member, or even a good employer or employee, self is at the center of all of that. And you have to remain true and authentic to that. So I don't apologize for being myself. And I'm at the point, like, I'm just going to put it out there. And if you still like me, then kudos. If not, then I, right. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I think I'm dope. <laughs> right. So I'm um, getting into season three of uh, Moms and Martinis. What is the inspiration behind the new season because it seems like you're like coming out of the gate like hitting people with like purpose driven content is you know kira on purpose like it's like going straight into um that element like what is the um focus or the objective for season three of moms and martinis that's a really great question and i'm so glad that you brought that up so you and I have had some candid conversations about the podcast and like me asking myself, like, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, because I started the podcast season one with one particular vision in mind and uh, had a very specific idea of how that was going to be accomplished with someone else. And that did not pan out the way that I anticipated. So it really left me scrambling, trying to figure out what things would look like on my own. I still had no clear understanding of that and I didn't have an end goal in mind. So there's a saying like start with the end in mind. I didn't even know what that was supposed to look like because now I was in a, a new unfamiliar territory just trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. So season two went to me just finding my voice. And in that regard, um, 
I guess like in the podcast world, but also uh, in, in thinking about just my theme throughout my life is just finding the voice and being unafraid to be where I'm at. So even in, in situations where I'm I'm out doing things or talking with people, I have to always remind myself, like, don't shrink and don't swell. Like, don't minimize who you are, but don't try to puff yourself up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what season two was about. Like, what what is my voice and being comfortable with that so season three after taking some time off and as i like to say minding my business about things i just decided to be my most authentic self and i was going to be myself on purpose not really caring about how it was going to be received and just trusting that it was going to be received by who needed to receive it if that makes sense. Yeah. So I was just like, let me just be on purpose with being myself because I'm finding in those transparent moments that people are really gravitating to them and learning a lot from it. So I'm going to be on purpose and intentional about that. But I'm also going to be on purpose, meaning doing what it is that I was divinely created to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So that I, I know who I am. I know what my purpose in life is. And I'm learning that that shows up in different ways. And I have to be uh, submissive and surrender to the process of allowing that to play out. So my purpose in life is to speak truth that moves people to take action. I know that about me. I was created as a change agent. Oh, so, wow, that's dope. <laughs> And it shows up in a lot of ways. Professionally, I am in learning and development. How fitting, right? right so right. I, I facilitate learning journeys. So I'm not there to really teach people things. I'm there to facilitate a journey for them. And in the end, they're going to receive a, a specific return on their investment. So that's what I do professionally. Change agent in my own life. I have to be able to change a lot of processes and ways I was you know, parented and so many other things. So I always try to encourage people to to change. And the only way for me to do that is to speak my truth and be on purpose with that. So I know it was kind of like a long-winded answer, but that that was really like my driving force behind season three. It's like I stepped out. It didn't work out the way I thought it was. You know, it was like egg on your face, recorded for the whole world to hear. Mm-hmm. And season two was just like, what? what is your voice? What do you want to be known for? And season three was like, okay, lights, camera, action, let's do it. Right, right, right. So that's super dope that you've been able to um, find that, that space and that center in the process of doing what you do. And ironically, that's what you're going to potentially do here with Um, today's conversation because it speaks directly to you but the perspective that comes from you is going to be like somewhat of a change agent for those who may need to hear what we're going to discuss in the form of crushes Um, a lot of people still to this very day um, remind me of the first episode that we've done which wasn't the typical relationship conversation either so i anticipate that this one is going to be equally um good as it was um before and it's going to be entertaining so let's just get into that but before we do that we also have to do q a and a right so you have some very good questions and 
even though I kind of feel like I personally know you a little bit better than I did before, I think that this mm-hmm. is going to open them up to learn what you would think and say in these unforeseen or random circumstances. So you ready to answer the questions? Oh boy, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question number one is for each letter in your name, Kira, what does each letter stand for? If you had to put a word that each letter would start with in terms of your name. Okay. So Kira, K-I-R-A. So I would say K is for kind, very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I is going to be for inquisitive. Okay. I just have a natural, natural curiosity about life and especially about people. Okay. Um, R is going to be resourceful, right? Dope, dope, so dope. I can always find a way to get something done. Like, what's up? All right, all right. <laughs> and A is for uh, awesome. <laughs> right, right, right. That's dope, dope. A is for awesome. <laughs> all right. So question number two is, when taking a shower, is your water warm or scolding hot? it's probably warm I don't know so with me I just turn the shower on and then I jump in and then I adjust right sometimes Mm -hmm. I turn the shower on and I get in and I'm like damn like why was the water so hot the last time or sometimes I get in like why was the water so cold the last time but I kind of just adjust the temperature to what it is that I'm going through or how I'm feeling in a particular moment Mm -hmm. so I don't know I just and that, I think that same thing resonate throughout my life. I kind of ju- jump into things and then I'll adjust, you know? Wow. So okay. it, typically if the water is like hot, it's probably because the previous day I may have taken a shower and the temperature in the atmosphere, like the temperature in the bathroom was really cool. So I needed to turn the water up at that time. Oh, if that makes wow. sense. All right. All you right. know, versus it may be at the end of the day, I'm trying to relax or maybe I've been moving around a whole lot. So I need to cool down. So I may take a cooler shower if that makes sense. Yeah. But I just jump in and adjust. Oh, that sounds like a lot of people's um, ideal when they, yeah, when they, when they deal with certain things, that is the process. It's just like you kind of just jump in and whatever happens you adjust in the moment so you never really think that that's how you even prepare and like bathing and you know caring for yourself you just you know make the decision once you're in it that that was very interesting that you came to that conclusion yeah some people test the water though before they get in the shower i don't test the water i just jump in there (laughs) All (laughs) all right so question number three is what's the worst in terms of discipline not calling an ex that you're still sexually cool with in the need or heat of moments alone or dealing with the absence of your soulmate who broke your heart but you're still sleeping together without closure or apology Mm. that's deep (laughs) i'm gonna go with the absence of a soulmate like to to be physically with someone but not connected with them intimately that is going to be tough in terms of like discipline um because an ex of course if i'm circling back i'm circling back for a very specific reason like 
I'm not just out here uh, ping-ponging for no particular reason, right? <laughs> right, right so right. I already know what it is. But to be in proximity with someone and not have that that level of connection, because when you think about intimacies and the four types of intimacy, it's like the spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical. And a part of that is proximity. So if I'm in the bed with you that close, but I don't have you spiritually, uh, mentally, and uh all the way around like that then I miss my sweet spot mm. it's like sleeping in the bed when it's like there's a stranger in my house <laughs> like damn who is you right so I think that's probably gonna be the toughest oh okay okay so this is actually a great follow-up question number okay. four is explain the differences between being deeply in love versus stuck in love mm. Deeply in love uh, versus stuck. Hmm. So deeply in love is a place I desire to be. But when you're um, deeply in love, again, you're connecting all, all of those levels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have the ability to respect each other in um, in your beliefs. You have a genuine interest in one another. Um, you have the 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 encouragement and grace to really grow with each other in a particular space and through life or really guide each other. That's when you're deeply in love. It's past surface. It's past this um, this feeling of obligation to a person, if that makes sense. It's past that. It is more so of a internal. Um, interconnected type of bond where you're deep in love where the conditions of love have been removed right 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 right. versus you're stuck in love and that could be stuck in the idea of something and oftentimes people are stuck in love based on circumstances right whether it's a feeling of inadequacy whether it is financially the reason why i'm stuck in this situation whether it is the fear of not knowing what would happen if you were to to get out of that situation or you could be stuck in love uh, because you just don't know the capacity in which you can provide and or receive love so you're just kind of stuck right there mm-hmm. So hopefully more people, and I don't think a lot of people will get there, but I hope more people can be deep in love. Yeah, because I oftentimes believe that we confuse the two. Like um, it's not necessarily that you're fighting for a relationship of any type or kind. I think most of the time what we're doing is we're believing in things that don't exist. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of the emotional value of our relationships um, whether we know this or not is very self-explanatory and you know a lot of what we question has a lot to do in the space of being stuck you know you want to you want to know that even if this is coming to an end that you receive something worthwhile from this space and Um, I think deeply in love kind of is the accountability of the person that's with you, that's there, that that you speak of directly in, you know, those intimate spaces. And there's no questions that need to be asked or answered. So Mm -hmm. um, when you think about like the ex and that, you know, previous question, most of the time we 
and I don't know how we get here, but most of the time we're stuck in love with the soulmate. Mm -hmm. And I, I no, I'm gonna hold on to that because we're gonna talk about that. So we'll get into that part, but <laughs> let's just go to number five. Okay, question number five is, which is easiest to make into a boyfriend? Someone you grew up with or someone that grew on you? Definitely grew on you. <laughs> I don't know, somebody you grew up with in um, real life, true life, this is happening. So I had a, a little middle school sweetheart, like that was my boo then. And now he's trying to resurface and his point of reference to most of his approaches with me, he's still speaking to the 13, 14 year old self. Like I'm not her. Like <laughs> I know that we shared some, some things together, but I'm not her. Like you really have to just like say, okay, that was the original introduction, but meet me now. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. So, and it's been so difficult because there are standards that you're holding me to that don't belong. And I have to tell him, like, I'm not responsible for the person who you think I am. Like, I'm I'm telling you who I am. I'm showing you who I am. But for some reason, you don't want to accept that. You know, like, I'm not 14. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, so I would right. much rather be with someone that grows on me or be with you know that we can grow on each other because it's like it's no expectations you you get to see that person evolve and really be there along with the process um and i think it's something magical in that because you can see the imprint if that makes sense versus trying to hold me to somebody who I ain't even her. Like, I don't even know her anymore. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, true, true, true. I don't even know her. Facts, facts. All right, so question number six is, what's three things you do to keep from being depressed? Depression is a mug. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I have a, a number of things, and um, I try to change them depending on the scenario or the thing that may have triggered me but i would say my number one thing is boundaries like okay okay it oh. it, it has become now like the the running joke and in, in with a couple of my friends they was like in the words of kira i don't have the the uh what they say i don't have the bandwidth or capacity i'm quick to tell people that i don't have the bandwidth or capacity to deal with this like i'm not gonna do it and you're not going to make me feel pressured to do something because what i'm finding is you take on all this stuff and it's too much weight and baggage that don't belong to you then you press and you know you have feelings that don't even they're not yours Right? right so right. uh-uh so boundaries no that don't belong to me that's your baggage you gotta carry it um not mine take your bag back um the the second thing i do is i really connect with nature it's something very magical about being connected with nature for me and um it just that's where i feel the most 
in tune and at one with God. It's so many elements of nature that reminds me that he is in control or whatever your higher power or whatever it is, universe, um, whatever you call it, it, it just reminds me that it is something much more greater than me that is going to sustain me throughout it all. Right. So nature is my second way. And then my third way of keeping depressed um, that I like to do, I love to read books because books for a moment allows me to escape and create an alternate universe. Like I, I don't have to, in, wherever I am physically, if I want to travel the world, I can read a book and travel the world. If I want to just escape this life and the things that are impacting me, I can read some type of book where I'm able to visualize and basically create these storylines in my brain. So I just get these moments to just escape for just a little while and breathe. <laughs> so that's what books allow me to do. It allowed me to breathe. So those are my my three. So boundaries, nature, and books. Oh, dope, dope, dope. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number seven is, what are the places you are most likely seen in if someone was to run into you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I'll be going nowhere. You probably see me on the hiking trail. Oh, okay. Um, I stay. I stay taking hikes. Um, where I, I'll be going nowhere. <laughs> you probably see me at the grocery store. Okay, okay. Um, and then I don't know. It most time people see me, it'd be some random place that they don't expect to see me. Oh, you know, wow, wow. it it'll be <laughs> it'll be some place hella random. And I, I'm just saying this because it's the first thing that come to mind, which I haven't been, you know, since it's all, you know, COVID outside and everything. I don't go. But <laughs> it'd be like some random place and somebody see me and I'd be in a strip club or something. And they'd be oh, like, you? Yeah. I'd be like, yes, me. Yes, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you me too. So it'd be some random place because I think people have... Depending on where people are in my life and where they show up, people have very specific images of me. So when they get other glimpses, you know, glimpses of me, it's very startling. Like, no, not you. And I'm like, yes, me, you too. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you shock you here too. Like, what? It's a good time for everybody. It'll be some random place like that. Oh, shit. Right. Hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) It definitely makes sense. That's me too, in a nutshell, whether people notice or not. Um, I was uh, talking on... um, Shouts out to Lex. Um, her birthday, she, for her birthday, she had a um like a Zoom call party. That was our thing when COVID initially hit. So she kind of did the same thing for her birthday. And um um Penrose was on the call, and people are always shocked to hear like some of the answers that I give when certain questions are asked, and like. It was funny because he kept saying like i know that i like a lot of people are so used to hearing him speak a certain way mm-hmm. but he's from one of the worst parts of michigan and you would never know like mm-hmm. if we took you from to where he's from you wouldn't believe it you know what i'm saying so i think that that's the case for me too because like i'm frequently seen in certain places that are like more conducive 
to the personalities that I allow people to see in me. Mm-hmm. But there are times when I just don't want to care about, you know, the world and all of the things that come with it. And I just may want to be a nigga for the day. You know what I'm saying? And yes. you just might see me pop up somewhere random and be like, why are you here? Like the same reason you here. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's, you know, that's my idea of it, too. All right. So last question. You and your girls are out and about and have all jumped in the car to head to the club to have fun. On the way to the club, you start to smell fish in the car. (laughs) (laughs) But these are women who are naturally on point in terms of ladylike hygiene. How does this conversation start in terms of who calls who out for smelling like fish that (laughs) didn't or acted like she didn't smell herself? And two, what if your nose caught the smell first only for it to be you? <laughs> All right, so I do have two friend circles, and the friend circle that I'm thinking about, uh, well, both of them are very like straightforward. Like we have, we hold no cards with each other. So the friend circle I'm thinking about, if I smelt it and it was me first, like just me and my personality and who I am, I'd be like, y'all. I don't smell good. Do anybody have some wipes or something? Like, then I'd probably make it be like, why you didn't tell me? Did you smell me? And you didn't say anything to me? And we'd kind of like make it a joke or whatever. And because in both of these groups, I know somebody is going to have a cure package. Like, they're going to have feminine wipes, probably (laughs) sprays and everything else. Like, we're going to pull over and wipe it down. Like, for real. A whole new reason to wipe down. Right? (laughs) So... It'll probably be something like that. And um, and then I'm thinking about my other friend group. One of them would probably be, so if this happens again, how would you like for me to approach this? Like, it'll be something, it'll be light. Like, or one of them probably like, sis, I thought it was me. I'm glad it's you. You know, like, so it's it's no big deal. We women, we know that, you know, smells happen. But correct it. And I may probably say, sis, change your diet. Have you been drinking your water is the question. You know, like, you need more water. (laughs) And we'll kind of leave it alone. All right. So there you have it. You answered all your questions for QA and A. That's dope that you got a sisterhood. They keep it that real, though. Too real sometimes. I'd be like, y'all need to lay up off of it. (laughs) So um, I brought you here because we want to talk about like growth choices that we made as kids that have totally been forgotten about as adults. And the crazy thing about this growth choice is we don't really understand or attribute this to the maturity as children. And to be honest, we don't think that this is a adulting concept now because we think a lot of us have gotten too old to replicate or feel feelings of our childhood and in this particular case I want to talk about having a crush on somebody and I know for like us as adults who are in our 30s and 40s um, crushing on somebody doesn't always feel realistic because you got real shit going on in your life but honestly what we fail to remember about crushes is 
that was one of the last times we practiced a respectful boundary for somebody that we really like because she was so fine that you placed a limitation on yourself and your communication because you absolutely knew that you had to come correct. So you took the time to admire her before building up your courage to step to her. So by the time you finally addressed her, you knew exactly what it was that made you fan out about her. You spent a lot of time dreaming and staring and wishing and practicing in your mind how these scenarios and things would go. And now we find that women are in the same space and time of actually wanting a man to crush on her like they used to back in the day. Be intentional. Know what you're going to say, how you're going to come, um, how your approach is going to be. All of those things that we now think um, hypothetically that we're too old for. So in your mind, like what happened to the ideas of crushing in your mind? That that's a very good question. Um, even as you were explaining it, I, I think the art of courtship has kind of gone away. You know what I mean? Mm. I know I've said that to a couple guys, and they don't even know what it means to like court a lady. <laughs> like, um, so I I think too, um, when you think about crushes when we were younger versus us feeling someone now, I think sometimes too, people may or maybe just trying to beat the clock, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have time to do this and do that. Do you like me? Or let me go ahead and see how your sexy is. And it's just so quick. Um, no one wants to just take the time to slow down and really enjoy the process. Um, and I think that's a a, a rare um, occasion nowadays that people yeah. are genuinely interested in the other person. It, and it could be for a number of things. I believe that with social media and TV and just the mass, um, how the masses of just information and data that people can get access to, I think people draw very specific conclusions about situations and people. And it's just like, I'm just trying to look for information to prove that you are, if that makes sense. Um, versus just allowing people to be and just be mindful and just be present in the moment. And I think that's kind of giving away the the element of crush um, and trying to find that out. And then the other thing too, a lot of people out here selling these pipe dreams and selling their social media highlights. Like, that's not really who you are, but that's what you're wanting to put out there. And then other people are attracted to the persona that you've made up for the world to see. Do you? Okay, who is that pertaining to when you say that? Just Okay, so if I'm crushing on somebody and um, I, I see their social media or the videos or the comments and things that they're they're saying that may not very well be them but the person that's admiring from afar that's the access i have to them 
versus when we were oh, younger. Right, right. I had physical access. I could see how you were in the presence of other people. I could see how you responded. I can see how you treated other people. Now I'm having to believe the internet version of who you are. And that is what I'm crushing on. Wow. Not who you really are. So when you couple that with not knowing how to court, not knowing how to go through the different levels of a relationship from acquaintance to casual to close to intimate, then it's just like people go from acquaintance to intimacy, both mentally and physically. It's like it's a huge leap and then somehow you're disappointed. Well, court me. Get to know me. That goes back to the question that you were saying earlier. You know, do I want somebody to grow on me? Yeah, grow on me. Take your time. I ain't going mm. nowhere. Okay, so, like, that's interesting that you say that because now as adults, we see a shift in how both men and women see a crush today. In my opinion, mm -hmm. for men, it's, it drives us to a level of aggression and sometimes disrespect because that boundary of a crush kind of feels like rejection because in the idea of courting, when we think about courting, courting doesn't necessarily mean that the focus and the attention is on you. Mm -hmm. When you court, a lot of times there's other suitors in that same pursuit. So it's like the best man has to win in those spaces realistically that's why when um a lot of times when a woman says courting is is not necessarily her fault that is misunderstood but it's her responsibility in that regard still because she has to understand that when she asks to be courted that there's a possibility that she's going to have another guy possibly show up while this guy is putting in the work to be appealing or show that he's worth the time and the attention that she has to offer. And her communication in that space could potentially make or break a man. So mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult nowadays to, to court because we're very intentional about intention. We want the focus and the priority and that's not always what courting is about. And so in that space of of having a crush, think about when you had a crush on somebody in school days. I know for me, the crushes that I may have had, which wasn't many, but I knew that like early on, a lot of the girls that I had crushes on were like into a certain type or prototype of boy. And in my mind, it's like, even then, it's like she'll never pick me. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of men nowadays don't honestly um, relate to what it feels like to be in that space of having a crush because it reminds you of rejection, depending on how those crushes went. And nowadays with women, it seems that women are so far-fetched from what they believe love and intimacy to be that they'll much rather crush on the outcome than what or no they will much rather crush on the outcome versus the income the process mm -hmm. the what you 
walk into with the person. You'll much rather just crush on what you believe love is and set that bar so high that everybody that shows up that shows any level of potential will never reach that standard for you. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge disconnect between the two people that have to kind of figure out the best way to crush on each other. And we have no clue as to what to do about that. So in your mind as a woman, do you believe that it's healthy to crush on the things that the potential man has to provide for you before you actually get to know the man you're going to potentially be with that may develop the skill set to get those things because you'll never really pay attention or know what his worth is in that space because you're so focused on the things that he's supposed to provide well that's that's a tough one i don't want to generalize things however i i do just through conversations with um other women and also through my own experience what i will say is that more often than not i believe that women tend to romanticize the ideas of these relationships even as adults we no longer use the word crush I don't know what we call it now. It just changes with whatever trend is happening at any particular moment, entanglement, situationship, um, side boo, whatever it is you want to call it. But we romanticize these ideas of people and what those relationships are going to matriculate to. So it could be um, I'm romanticizing the idea of being with this person because he looks a certain way and my kids are going to look a certain way. So you're romanticizing the idea of the man for the aesthetics or the aesthetics of the house, the aesthetics of the car, the aesthetics of the social ranking that you may receive from being connected with a person. Um, Or even if you think every day, I work at the Walmart, you at the Burlington, you know, maybe you the truck driver, right? The sanitation guy. And even with that is I'm romanticizing that we're going to get this house and live in a certain neighborhood. It doesn't have to be fancy, but still we're taking ourselves, we're, we're starting with the end in mind and not even saying that that's a particular end. And I think people box themselves into a particular place that way instead of just allowing things to be. Mm, yeah. So um, I, I've done it. And even now in, in dating guys, sometimes literally I'm listening to them and I have to remind myself in three times, like, girl, you're doing it again. Just listen to what the man is saying. If you listen, he's telling you everything you need to know. Like, don't make it up. Don't make it up. He's telling you. <laughs> like, And get from over there. That's why I tell myself, Kira, you done went too far. Right. Mm. You was just talking to him for three days. You three years down the line, girl. You don't know him. Wow. <laughs> you don't know wow. him at all so that's so, what becomes of the crushes of today is like you're so you're miles ahead of mm-hmm. where the potential of the relationship really is and it disappoints mm-hmm. you at all of the failed attempts because you don't even know how to begin that process all you know is where you want to end up so is mm-hmm. that what we believe is fair to men in a sense because of 
our like boyish approaches to crushes we just want to know that we're seen felt and cared for like that i want to say in most of the cases where we believe men to be entitled um a lot of the things that come with the traditional relationships are ways for men to know that they're seen as men because you only replicate what you've seen other men do so that's where the cooking and the cleaning and those things come from because it's almost like you saw your your mom do that for your dad it's not to it's not to always be like misogynistic or egotistical it's honestly just to know what your worth is and depending on your upbringing um a lot of us have very peculiar ways that we respond to crushes because i know for me as a kid having a crush on someone you couldn't have was common Mm -hmm. like that was um that was like kind of the thought process of a more underprivileged kid because I wasn't the freshest kid growing up. And I remember like all of the kids with the fly clothes were like the, the first draft picks all the time. And then um, I would of course go home and ask my mother to, you know, buy Jordans and all of that stuff. But you know, it was never something that she could afford being a single mom. So I think over time, I developed into a nice guy just trying to figure out a way to to get closer. And um, it's, you know, it's honest, you know, childhood belief that, you know, the nice guy finishes last. So honestly, I would just try to overcompensate in areas of myself where I knew I couldn't, you know, do in other places that I lacked. So. I would be the listener, the the guy that would crack the jokes or whatever, but it was like it almost pigeonholed me into what I'm going to call steel branding. Now, for women, there is a guy that he embodies everything that you see in a man, but you always seem to take it for granted because that's just who he is. Like you fail to realize that He's consistent in regards to all of the things that you find to be attractive in this fantasy or end game that you've decided for yourself. So it's a guy that's like, you don't even call him your bro. It's not like a, a family initiation. It's just somebody that you're close to that you just don't consider. Like, do you ever think about that connection you know and as far as like having somebody that close or that immediate um and you might be overlooking him because you weren't visually trying to see him in that that regard or is it someone in your life that you take for granted in that way just because that's just who they are versus you know the beauty in terms of who he is as a person yeah, you you said quite a few um, things here that I just want to make sure that I'm addressing. So with what you just said, those men are the men that are typically friend zoned. And that's where I look first now. <laughs> but 22 year old snatch waist 
thick, you couldn't tell me nothing, Kira, was not checking for him. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? Wow. Mm. What I was just realizing as you were stating that is we, I, I'm not trying to put this on anybody else, I have previously overlooked those men because I confused my preference with my standards. And they were not meeting my preferences. And somehow I equated those to be my standards. When really they were checking all of the boxes for my standards. Um, because that's why they were in those close corners. And we were having those types of um, more intimate and, and deeper conversations. Because they were able to connect but um, oftentimes, again, when you go back to romanticizing the ideas of people and relationships um, and these preferences that we've told ourselves that we need to achieve and fill whatever void that we have, that's what ends up happening. But a lot of times people are not slowing down enough to do the work. Mm -hmm. But now at 40, I looked at first. I'm like, John, you is looking kind of cute today. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> your beard is looking quite nice and you smell real good. Is that a new cologne? You know, so I've learned, but life had to teach me that. Heartache has to teach me that. Disappointment had to treat, teach me that. Being drugged by men who didn't deserve had to teach me that. Oh, wow. And I hate to, to, to put it like that, but that's what it was. In the word of my good friend Calhoun, had to be drugged, put them city miles on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> now I'm like, oh no, what is happening? Wow. But again, that goes back to romanticizing. So even with that, and I think back to being uh, young and having crushes, if you think for little girls, we would sit and write our first name, his last name. Mm. So we've been doing this even from back then. Yeah, we would sit and romanticize about, oh, I can't wait till I get his jacket. And I get to, you know, that was the thing. He gave you his jacket. Oh, baby, the whole school gonna know. Okay, you know what I mean? Back. And that is now equated to, are you posting me on your social media? Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think that it is really progressed any. We just have more access to show it in different ways. You know, and even with crushing, like you said, just gaining access to people, I think as you grow up and then begin to grow into the power of who you are or whatever it is, then men begin to use their money to gain access to women that they probably would not have had. And women use sex to gain yeah. access to men that they probably wouldn't have. That is a fact. I know so, um, I know yeah. that to be very true for... Um, some very technical but then very minimal reasons too because i know that like when i was finally able to actually acquire somebody that i actually wanted i still felt the resentment of those letdowns prior to this person showing up like i remember one point um in this space of being just brandon and over time um just brandon became like the great guy with advice who's always consistent but never mm -hmm. seemed to be rewarded for um those things that he gave with the truth that he told that happened exactly the way that your failed relationship now you know panned out so as a teenager i remember like um a girl that shot me down came back to me 
when I was in a relationship. And I honestly thought that this girl was cuter than the girl that I was now with, right? And it put me in a very vulnerable place because I don't, I hadn't at that point of finding, finding that moment of getting the crush that, well, at least one of them, it was still like a certain tier even to that place. Like, um, it was like the top tier crush, then it was the mid tier, and then it was the low tier, you know, um, I began to like, kind of feel like even in getting the crush that I now had, I was still settling. And I remember, um, the one that came back, I remember the, the one thing that she said to me when we were kids was, you know, like, boy, get out of here. You ain't even got an earring. You know what I'm saying? And I held on to that for so long because I knew that I was going home, you know, to my parents and saying like, look, I want to, you know, get my ears pierced. And my mother and father was like, nah, you know, you got to, you know, get a little older before you do that. And so um, fast forward, I now graduate. I still don't have my ear pierced, even in high school. Um, I ended up getting my ear pierced after I graduated and it was such a huge thing for me to do that I got my ear pierced at a Claire's. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know if you had them where you from, but that's like a mm-hmm. little kid's department store. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they got like the little mini chairs that's like so close to the fucking ground that you would you would look petty. You know, your legs stretched all the way out into like the, the walkway of the mall. Because you sitting in this kid chair and the earring was so small that I could pull the stud through the hole because that's how little the stud was. But it was just me, you know, trying to feel like I had finally accomplished something from that, that, that I guess that painful place of feeling inferior. So you will have like those women who will live up to all of your expectations but once they get to the expectation, they're not like making you feel like you you meet the standard. So mm-hmm. you get to that point that you get to that point where you just happy that you have somebody that you actually like. But what you also don't realize is that they have to actually make you feel a certain way, too. So like crushing was difficult even after. Um, I got grown because I had to realize that what I was wanting to feel from another person, I wanted to feel about myself. And so usually crushing ends up turning into a self-love process or project for yourself. Now, I know that whether you notice or not, like that's something that you've probably done in front of everybody. Like what do men make you feel like today that pushes you into this this self-love or self-crush area of your life because now we see crushing completely different when mm-hmm. our standards become the way that we live or our lifestyles Ooh, let me tell you you just touched a nerve because as i'm on this journey to companionship um i'm learning a lot about myself i'm doing a lot of work because Whomever I'm with, um, I'm going to require a lot, but I want to make sure that I'm able to provide that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, 
One of the things that I've discovered about myself is that oftentimes I find myself beginning the process of dating or getting to know someone because of how they make me feel in terms of being seen, right? Um, because a lot of men don't talk to me. <laughs> I don't get hit on a whole lot. Um, and one guy told me specifically, he said, because you appear to be taken, like the way that you carry yourself and your conversations and all of that, you appear to be taken. And another one of my homegirls that's single was like, yeah, there's a certain look that people put off when they single. And apparently I don't have that look. So I'm just like, okay, what's that about? Um, and then the, the second thing that, well, not second, another thing that I'm finding um, when it comes to dating and um, all of those things is I, being in a relationship, the part that I love so much, like you say, it's a, it's a journey of for self-love. Mm -hmm. What I've discovered is the reason why I want it so badly is because in those moments, I get a chance to demonstrate an entirely different level of love where I feel so free in giving the love, not even what I'm getting back like just my capacity to love someone. And that is, it's addictive to me. Mm. I can do it with my kids, but it's different, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a different yeah. type of love. Entirely different. And that, where I have to like harness my eagerness on, I'm so like, like I, I need to be able to love someone like that so I have to like check myself even with that because one you can't be giving out love like that all willy-nilly <laughs> you know what I mean it sounds crazy but it's just like you know sex you can't be out here just having sex with any and every old body even though people be doing it but I'm gonna mind my business but that's the same with love like the the capacity and the way that I know like my brand of love what I'm able to do the shit is amazing and I'm a brag on myself. And I know that. I'm going to give myself gold stars. Mm. I know the capacity in which I'm able to love. And it's just bubbling over on the inside of me. So sometimes I get these men and then I go to trying to fix it and then like trying to pair them up. Like, if you just do all of this, you're going to get all of this love. And it don't be right. So I have to like pull myself back from that. And um, it makes me feel lonely at times. It does, because I, I want to do it. I want to give it to somebody. <laughs> no pun intended, but, you know, slide my DMs. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I do, though. I do, I do, I do. But, yeah, that that's the part that, um, like you say, when you're going through this process of crushing and dating and courting and finally being into a, a relationship, that's what I've learned about me. Like, my brand of love and capacity to love someone is amazing amazing like you talk about that feeling like mm -hmm. how you can make somebody feel i know how i can make somebody feel yeah, and it's yeah. genuine i think about it too. i think about yeah. that too as a uh as an adult male mm -hmm. because i remember like well let me ask you this um looking back as a woman now to the young girl you used to be um what would you say was the level of appreciation you were taught to have as a girl for boys that 
you can now still use today as an adult because a lot of how we treat men today is based on the fact that we were optional like we were the quarters the guys that were in pursuit and depending Mm -hmm. on how you felt about being courted kind of determined how you treated guys like it was like you had men to choose from and now we don't we don't necessarily want to be optional even though in some cases there are some pieces of shit that will make you in turn that even though they're communicating something different but for those of us who really appreciate the process like how does that how does that look to you now as a girl like what was the idea for girls when it came to boys like what was like the golden rules for girls back then see that's a that's a question that i'm not able to answer because in my family my my mom and father divorced so my mom just raising me on her own and um loving my father from a distance i didn't see it like my mom was old school like for real pentecostal like christian christian mm-hmm. not like christian on sunday like we was christian you know what yeah, i mean but... so i didn't see her with anyone i know what we were taught in friday night bible study you know what i mean of what it was supposed to look like but i really saw it demonstrated and then my mother's side of the family come from take charge women that in my opinion really didn't respect the place of a man so i never saw it Mm. when my mom passed away i went to live with my dad my dad is married been married to my stepmom now like or they've been together like 36 37 years like a long time right right and it was the first time that i seen a woman love a man in a capacity like i've never seen them argue Whatever it is he needs, she take care of him. She's put, you know, uh, worked multiple jobs to make sure that not only he, but myself and my brother, which were her stepchildren, were cared for. She never complained. No matter how trashy I talked to her and treated her, she never treated me with anything but love and kindness. And once I grew up (laughs) and kind of got over myself, I had to call her and apologize and told her that was the first time I began like loving her and say I love you for the way you love my father that woman rides for my dad and that was the first time I had ever ever seen that and it was the first time it it was modeled of how to be a wife you know how to be submissive and how that's supposed to look like how to to be virtuous within your own rights within your household and care for your kids I had never seen that before and I got married I didn't know what that looked like, what that was supposed to be. It was very still, you know, very much still the way that I saw primarily with my mother. Like, both of us wear the pants up in here, <laughs> you know. Wow. And if you're not acting right, then I'm the only one that's wearing the pants. And that's how I was. Um, and then how I was able to learn it again was the relationship I had after our divorce. That man loved me to my better self. And I never received that type of love. And it was so scary to me. And the way that he was able to 
just be patient and as I heal and really guide me through that process of what it's supposed to look like when two individuals really love each other he taught me how to love and once he taught me how to love and I was able to see just how fully and deeply like you talked about earlier deep love mm-hmm. how deeply I was able to love I became addicted to bettering myself so that I could love at greater capacities so wow. I know that that was a like a long answer, but that's just me. So I I don't know. I don't know. I I've only seen it done where I would like to emulate twice. And again, that was for my stepmother, and then the man that I dated post my divorce. Hmm. And no other man has ever loved me in that capacity before. So is that is that instance of um, the guy that came? you know, after the divorce, is that something that you, you felt like you held on to as the fantasy or the outcome of the crush? And maybe you want somebody to, to show up and do, or do exceeding in regards to that. And is that like a realistic thing? Or is this like a completely new slate where, you used his influence to create your own ideal or standard of what it is to be in love and to have a crush today. Is that something that Mm -hmm. you've thought about? Yeah, I have. Um, And I would say it's the latter, just like the influence, because going back to what I was mentioning earlier between preferences and standards, like he wasn't preference. I wasn't ideal for him either. I didn't check none of his boxes. He didn't check none of mine. But because of, like you say, life putting them city miles on me, when I began to have conversations with him and really engage and we got, you know, the courting process, getting to know each other, mm-hmm. I knew that he was rare and I was fucked up, but I wasn't willing to let him go. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, hell nah. <laughs> like this, you know, <laughs> I done found a unicorn, like nah buddy you here like that it was like one of those things so it wasn't about fantasizing it and that's when i had to like really get real with myself okay you you say that he is supposed to look this way and make this and be this and do all of that but how he's treating you what do you want Mm, you know what i mean like you need to choose right here all that other stuff that you think that the picture that you have in your head that stuff you can build too. That stuff that you, you know, you can evolve there. And then you have to realize, or, or, you know, I had to really ask myself, where's the level of importance? Like, where does that lie with some of those things? Yeah. So once I kind of got through all of that and, um, begin to again do the work as uh, y'all say to the work beloved right as I begin to do the work one of the things that happened too in that relationship is that I grew into like the fullness of who I am and we were just no longer compatible you know what I mean but the love was still there the love grew we were just no longer compatible and I think that we served each other's purpose I gave him hope in women and he gave me hope and love that was it reason season lifetime we accomplished the the reason the season was over and we let it be so he we did what we were supposed to do for each other in that moment so what he has done is taught me I ain't got to pull up put up in a whole bunch of bullshit 
And I ain't got to fix no man. It ain't no build-a-bear process. Like, th- so that's why even earlier I was telling you when I'm talking to guys, I have to remind myself, like, Shakira, you're doing it again. Like, listen to him. See him. Be present with him. He's going to tell you everything that you need to know. This way you can consciously make a decision if this is a path or road that you want to go down. Yeah, yeah. That's the safest way. Yeah. But what I want is out there. And what that whole relationship taught me is that I don't have to settle, like, for real. Like, you don't got to be perfect, but (laughs) you got to know how to love. Like that, that is a standard for me. And I think that a lot of what men lack comes from um, those failed areas of crushes because my personal belief to why crushes possibly no longer exist is because of the trauma of young boys who grew up feeling inferior or not so fly kids that has produced more financially greedy um, teenagers and adults to where they begin to amass what comes with money and abundance before they understand what it feels like to have the abundance of love, care, and all of mm-hmm. those things that morally matter the most. And somehow without knowing it, young girls probably made them feel inferior by having a certain taste or honest attraction to luxury or style and I'm not knocking a girl who has that honestly or you know has that particular taste but that's what made me ask the question is like what is what is being taught to girls in terms of appreciating boys who go out their way to to really try to get to know who you are as a person because there's I mean, for us, there's women who we hold doors open for that won't say thank you. Or, you know, there's women who a guy will say, you know, good morning, beautiful, with no intent of, you know, invading your space. And she's just like, oh, here we go. When he really (laughs) meant what he said, you know, it's like, are you are you so caught on your belief and love that you can't see honest people? Or you can't identify when a person is just being nice. Like, um, I will say that it plays a lot um, into our responsibilities that, you know, the the aura of a gentleman is being very deceptive and, you know, confusing over the course of years because some of us are being, you know, sneaky. But then in other regards, I have to, like, question, like, what are we telling girls when they mm-hmm. encounter crushes or when they encounter guys who want to take them out of the existence that we hear them speaking so fluently in our social spaces now, like we want to remove you from these pastimes, but you're setting your conditions on how you feel love is supposed to go versus mm-hmm. really getting to know the guy that is standing in front of you because he has mm-hmm. a story too. So how, I guess the question would be, how as a woman are you still, no, let me rephrase that. Are you still chasing after the crush you may have had in school as Mm -hmm. an adult without knowing it? Because like how you spoke of, you wrote a person's last name down Mm -hmm. when you were seven behind your first name. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and whatever that idea of that idea that you had that made you do that was that something that you picked up that early and maybe that idea even then is so far ahead of where you are that now you look at yourself at 40 and realize that you're still not where you thought you would be at that childhood age Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. how far ahead you are when it comes to the ideas of love and crushing and having feelings some, for somebody that now you realize that that idea has kept you in inconsistency for almost three decades, four decades? Oh, well, when you say it like that, <laughs> you got to add the decades on there. <laughs> Dad, damn, we changed. <laughs> Okay. It's just an idea, you know. Okay. Uh, transparent moment. I struggle with it sometimes. I do. I struggle with it. Even as you were talking about the, um, like creating the visual for it, um, how it is when we're when we're younger and have this crush, the the four words that continue to resonate in my brain and repeat was wanting to feel like I belong, be seen, be validated, and be chosen. Okay. When you think back to when you were younger, well, for girls, we wanted, again, the the popular guy, the guy with the nice clothes and all those things, because it was a level of visibility that came along with that. Mm. It was a level of, you know, belonging to something outside of yourself, right? And needing that validation that you are enough so if you're not getting that from other places, i.e. at home, your parents, your your village, your support system, I don't know. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm trying to navigate this course and figure out who I am as a person. But I, I just know that I'm not being seen. And I think that, and I don't want to go too deep, but I'm going to go there. When you're raising kids and you're not allowing your children the opportunity to speak up and be seen within the home, they try to do it other places you know mm-hmm. i grew up in a household you know um you'd be seen not heard do as i say not as i do what did i tell you like i didn't have a voice so where i'm going to get my voice at school where do i want to be seen at school mm-hmm. where i want to get that love that i'm not getting maybe it's not adequate enough where it's not doesn't feel completely whole from the little boy that's telling me i'm pretty that's making me feel seen that's you know boosting me up in a way where i'm feeling so insecure but i don't have a safe space to talk about my insecurities anyplace else and he chooses me Mm. you know what i mean Mm. and now i'm grown a lot of times with people male and female those don't go away those don't go away i'm telling you especially with women they scream choose me all the time in so many different ways <laughs> from their conversation the way that they thirst trap the way you know how they try to again co- coerce women uh men through sex just so many things they scream and choose me you know what i mean but mm-hmm. let me talk about me and my my own business sometimes i too struggle with it i struggle with it and i have to tell myself like you don't have to be that eager Right. So I I was telling you, a lot of guys don't talk to me. That's why I shoot my own damn shot. Like, what's up? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you looking good. Let me see what you're, you know what I'm saying? Let me see what that mind is about. Let me see what your goals are really about. That's just me. Um, Because the first thing I'm going to appeal to, you know, is physically. You know, do I like you? Do you look good to me? But even with that, a lot of times, 
men that I wouldn't necessarily give a chance. It's not the money that's appealing to me. It's the fact that they're, oh my God, you're gorgeous. I think that you're so sexy. You know, because I reveal everything, my weight, my hair, I'm bald headed, you know, like I'm out here just shining, you know, I got a rectangle ass body, but a big booty, like what's up? And if you coming in just like, I don't care about that hair, girl. Take that wig off. I don't care about your makeup. You sexy. You fine. And I think you're dope. Your conversation's on point. Like, those things, I'm, like, drooling. Drooling. Like, oh, my God. I think I found a match. But really, I'm giving you the blueprint. So if you listen to the podcast and follow my social media, you know how to get in, if that makes sense. Oh, I have to tell myself, slow the fuck down and really assess is he who he say he is or are you just going to again put your choose me hat on and be fond over some shit that ain't really true wow yeah because getting money is how a lot of hurt boys bandage their manhood and that Mm -hmm. that space of the have-nots are definitely lessons for black youth that we don't talk about a lot and adulthoods but the reason why i want to get back to men having crushes is because a lot of times it's the it's that old saying that our uh, grandparents would say you know acting like a nigga who ain't never had shit (laughs) right we have to we have to get to a point where we know how to behave as if we've been here before like you know um i don't think that women are impressed with being impressed anymore mm-hmm. is more so like you know has he been here before does he know how to respect and appreciate who and what I am and you know acting according to the the level I present when I'm before him versus the going on out your way to show that I got this I got that I can do this I can do that and Again, um, we have to, you know, come to the table, you know, speaking directly to women, you know, telling them that, you know, hey, I haven't been made to feel um, as if I'm worth more than what I bring to the table. So um, dating me is going to be different. You know, I'm going to, you know, challenge you to be creative and where we choose to spend time together. I'm going to challenge you to um you know, find different ways to communicate to um, the man that I am or even the little boy that I still may be before you because, again, we're working through these processes together. And I honestly feel like that was something that I learned early on because, like, the ear pierce moment was something I held on to for far too long before I had to address it for myself. And um, a lot of the letdowns from crushes were things that I eventually had to address for myself. So I spent a lot of um, single time making myself attractive to who mm-hmm. I anticipated, though I never really seen who that person was until years and years later. But I think um, that goes into a lot of what is missing from relationships too. Like we don't really appreciate what anticipation does for a lot of us in terms of energy, excitement, um, interest, like, you know, going into something, sometimes waiting for certain things to happen and the feeling of getting close or the feeling of, you know, a small connection that 
we place a boundary on because we don't want to go too far yet. Like those things are moments that we don't regularly want to feel because it feels like rejection. But um, I've also know I've also, you know, know that there has been moments in those crush spaces where y'all at the point of being ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And even though you might not get it, you still going to work to that point. Like you still going to do a little here, a little there to one day, you know, get her to that point where she's ready to give herself to you. And it's just like, it's something there that keeps you coming back. And to me, um, that's an indication of a crush. It's like, you know, I like you that much to where I'm just going to keep giving it a try. I'm going to keep trying to, you know, get through to you. And we don't feel those things as adults as often or as much as we should so i just think that these conversations have to be had and i think that we as adults have to kind of look back into our youth to evaluate like what was i crushing on back then that's holding me back from where i need to be right now because a lot of our crushes started as early as six and seven years old and we've been holding on to these fantasies well into our 40s and not realizing that, like you said, okay, I never saw my mom interact with a man this way. And when I finally did see it, I wasn't as receptive to it because it wasn't coming from my primary parent. Mm-hmm. So this whole gap of time, you're not really knowing how to interact as a woman with a man still having expectations of a man and vice versa. We all have these, you know, moments within these spaces where we're not really conducive to the ideas we have for our crushes. So what would you say is the gateway back to healthy boundaries in our interactions and relationships with the opposite sex? Mm. Ooh, that That's deep. How much time we have? Uh, <laughs> I think it goes back to um, two whole people getting together yeah facts. two people that are doing their work meaning they have their own individual paths that they are climbing and working through and then they have one that they're creating together when you are in a relationship with someone that is constantly working on themselves and trying to you know evolve to become the next best version of themselves then you understand the process you understand the importance of grace you understand the the importance and the sacredity of a long time you understand the importance of um love and compassion during those moments and tough times so if you are doing your work when you identify it in your partner then you know how best to support you know when the back out when you say you know when to hold them know when to fold oh, them right Right, right. Because you're doing the work too. So it may be in different places. Maybe you are healed and involved in one spot that your partner is not. Then you can aid each other through it. Or it can be an uncharted territory that the universe has allowed you all to go through and thrive through together. You know what I mean? But if you're not on that level, right? And I'm going to take it back. You know, I'm a preacher's kid. That's where the uh, unequally yoked. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're not together in that regard, then 
it's always going to be discourse. You're not going to respect my boundaries because you don't even know what this is. You don't even, you can't even honor the importance of what it is that I'm experiencing in this moment because you don't even know how to get there or what it feels like. So you got to get with somebody that's whole. Whole doesn't mean perfect. Whole doesn't mean all the way together, okay? I can be um, real spiritual and a hot mess at the same time, and that's okay, and that's my business, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. So whomever I'm with, I just need you to be whole, right? We'll figure out the whole thing together. I just need you to come whole with yourself and don't be looking for me for, like I said, I I was saying earlier, that outside validation, Yeah. right? Don't be looking for me to fill in your gaps because I ain't got it. You know, don't be looking for me to to be your single source of happiness. Mm -hmm. I ain't the one. You know what I mean? So I can add to it. You know, I can give you a little scissor to the steak, but I, I can't I can't be all encompassing to you because I have my own shit that I'm trying to deal with. But together I realize the importance of us having this journey together and creating a life that's conducive to producing more love. Oh, that's dope, it. That's dope, all I got. Dope. Well, for you guys listening, I just wanted to um, address the ideas of crushing and um, have a well-rounded conversation that we're going to call I Ain't Had a Crush in Years. And part of the reason why we're going to call it that is because you don't realize over the span of the time that you've been looking for love, you haven't quite found yourself. You haven't had a crush on yourself enough to know what is it that you really want from a relationship? What is it that you really want from a person of interest? And what you do is you make believe a lot of men and women to um, to embody things to kind of try out your feelings for the moment versus really sitting down with self and coming to some very firm conclusions. And it's disheartening for each of us in this space because a lot of us are made to feel like we lived up to an expectation that you made me feel like I was meeting just to shoot me down. You begin to feel rejected. You begin to feel disconnected and all of these different feelings. And part of the reason why we crush differently is because we don't set a certain crush standard for who we like and who we love. So it brings you back to who that person was or doing the work or those dealing with those childhood traumas and, you know, coming of age to be able to communicate better, be able to represent yourself a lot better in the face or in the front of people that, you know, could potentially be partners. I think that those conversations are desperately, you know, needed because a lot of us don't have a lot of time, though it's going to take time. So um, have those conversations with yourself and your partners to find out, is there something from the past that you need to know in order to deal with the person that you some that you somewhat feel disconnected to? Or um, maybe this person doesn't feel like enough. So what you do is never enough. There's so many things that come from that crush space of what their idea of love is and how close you are to meeting that standard. And Kira, you know, made a very, very pivotal point of um, 
the idea of your preferences being interpreted as standards. Those things need to definitely, they may not never align, but you need to be sure of the two and understand them and not get them confused. So I think that this was a very healthy conversation for people to, of course, think about. Let us know if there's some things that we need to follow up because I really loved the perspective that Kira gave. Um, I think we touched it all. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to give them too much. We already had an hour and a half and, it, you know, it gets so good to where we can keep going and going. And before you know it, it's three hours. So um, <laughs> I appreciate you for really, you know, doing what you do with, you know, transparency and using yourself as an example for people to kind of bring themselves closer to understanding themselves. So thank you so much for having this conversation. Yes, absolutely. You know, I'm always willing to bear my soul. I mean, if you gonna know my business, let me tell it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just go ahead and give them all of your information and let them know where they can find you and um, your show and everything that you would like for them to, you know, get in touch with for Moms and Martinis. Absolutely. So again, my name is Kira and thank you so much, BJ, for inviting me into the conversation. I always have a grandiose time when I'm with you. Uh, But host and mom and creator of Moms and Martinis, where we create a safe space to have tough conversations. You can find me on most uh, listening platforms. If there's a listening platform that I am not on, when you type in Moms and Martinis, let me know. And I will mind my business by making sure I get on that platform so that you can enjoy me there. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Moms and Martinis. And no, on Facebook and Twitter at Moms and Martinis and on Instagram at Moms and Martinis Pod. That's where I'm usually at in the Instagram streets, especially in my stories. <laughs> it goes down in my Instagram story. Trust me, mm-hmm. you want to be there. Uh, but on Moms and Martinis, it's a bi-weekly podcast every Monday, hashtag Martini Mondays. And, and again, it's just kitchen table talk that I share with my friends. As BJ mentioned, we really just go through the healing process. BJ started this episode out, talk about growth choices. And that's what we talk about. So how do we grow through those those different things um, so that we're getting ourselves together and through that work that we'll do collectively hopefully we'll be able to deeply love ourselves and we won't be stuck in the idea of who we think we are so go ahead join me at the kitchen table i hope for to see sure. you for sure mm-hmm. that is um one of my favorite shows uh, right now to um indulge in there's so many great uh conversations had on that platform um we, we just got into season three so Um, you're not too far behind if you are a previous listener that was, you know, in tune with season two, but if, if in fact you're, you know, new, um, you can definitely, you know, go back and kind of review a lot of the older content because it's still valuable, still holds a lot of weight and, um, some great conversation. Um, if you would like to follow the host of change the subject, me, BJ, you can follow me at Dergo BJ. That is D E R G O B J on Twitter. The subject changed on Instagram. I have an email address that is changed subject at gmail.com. And I also have the CTS hotline, which is 313-636-3060. Um, do not call 
the previous phone number that um, you probably see on my social media because there was an incident where a guy got out of jail and the previous owner of that phone number was apparently a snitch. And I had to disconnect that number because I was getting threatened and I was believed to be the person that was snitching. And we don't do that in Detroit. So it wasn't me. So, again, the CTS hotline number is now 313-636-3060. Um, hopefully you guys are blessed by this conversation as I have been to have it. And this concludes an episode of Change the Subject. I'll be in touch with you guys again in a few weeks. Peace and blessings.